Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. You are listening to Karan Alessandra. Welcome to the Meditation Conversation, friends. Today we are glad to welcome a dear soul friend of ours, Nick Michi. He is a a teacher, both in school, but he also teaches meditation. He has lived in England, China, Thailand, and is currently in Abu Dhabi with his wife and kids. And um, we know him through a virtual community where we grow um, on our spiritual journey. And also as teachers, there is a virtual or a network for meditation teachers. So we connect with Nick in both places. And uh, my connection with Nick is actually from the beginning of my meditation teacher journey. He was the first call, the practice call. I was super nervous. It was actually him <laughs> guiding me though. But <laughs> yeah, and so it's it's funny how we are here together, all of us now. And so welcome, Nick. We look forward to hear your journey. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for inviting me on. Oh, we're so excited to have you. So I think a great place to start would be um, just learning about your journey. So what brought you to meditation? You've, you've lived in so many places, which is very British of you, I must say. <laughs> when, uh, um, I, I think you might know my husband is English and I lived in England for a while too. And, and I was always blown away how that was like just part of the culture. Like you move away abroad and the world was kind of just this vast open place for exploration with them, that culture, which I just really admired and is not really something that's reflected where I'm from. So anyway, um, but you are still at the tender age of 32. So you've been to all these places and you've got, you know, your family. And I just, I'm really, I'd love to hear how it sort of flowed together. So you've had a very full life up to this point already. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I guess uh, in terms of the traveling, I think people maybe just want to get away from the English weather for a little while, which is partly <laughs> why, partly why, um, I've spent a lot of time abroad, but... Um, and in the desert I guess now. in terms of... Yeah, well, yeah, all right, let's get to that. But um, I guess in terms of the meditation, um, I was a very kind of sociable teenager. Like, I did a lot of socializing. Um, but in terms of that, it was almost like a little bit fake in a way. We did a lot of kind of drinking back then and... Um, I guess there was always underlying my social life a kind of little bit of a anxiety, you know, that was just kind of there and growing for a long time. And uh, I guess as the years went by, that anxiety kind of increased and the drinking didn't really help with, with that. You know, it kind of hides it temporarily, but it ultimately it, it kind of makes it worse. Um, so then when I was... Um, when I was about 21 at university, um, started just realizing that maybe something was just not quite right, you know. And then I had this breakup with a girlfriend at the time. 
And it was just kind of, it made, it was a surprise and it made everything kind of come crumbling down a little bit. Um, and it made me kind of reassess who I am and uh, where I was in my life. Um, just to kind of, um, yeah, break everything down in order to rebuild, it felt, it felt like. So it was a difficult time. But through that, I came to um, kind of self-help literature. You know, I started reading stuff about um, kind of feel the fear and do it anyway and stuff about body language and confidence and all those kind of self-help things, but a slightly more kind of superficial self-help stuff, really. Um, and then when I was about 22, 23, started getting more into like the law of attraction you know, um, I guess stuff like The Secret and, and Abraham Hicks and mm -hmm. trying to kind of manifest, you know, a life that is, you know, better than the one you have right now, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that that was the beginning of it, I guess. And then um, my girlfriend and I, Natalie, we went traveling. We lived abroad in China. And then we were there for six months to a year, and then we moved to Thailand. And in Thailand, there was just this unbelievably spiritual community there. Like people were, um, you know, they were just very connected and they spent a lot of time outside and they were very different from the friends that I'd had growing up. Mm. Um, so that was, that was really, it was a really important time. And that was, that was really the, um, the time where I would say the majority of the kind of transformation started to happen. Um, that was also when I started to meditate, um, in Thailand. my friend in Thailand, that's right. Mm. Yeah. Um, I can't so, think of a better place. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It was, it was a really great place. And we went to some, uh, kind of meditation retreats, mm. stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I actually met my good friend Ryan in Thailand and it was a funny situation because, I was actually going down to this housing community in order to find this book. It was called The, uh, the Book on the Taboo Against Knowing Who You Are. Hmm. It's a book by Alan Watts. Oh, I've yeah. heard of him, but I haven't heard of that book. Okay. Yeah, right. So I was just, it was like one of the first spiritual books that I'd ever heard about. And I was trying to find it because I knew that one of my friends had it. Knocked on my friend's door and he wasn't in. Knocked again, he, he wasn't in. And then, so I decided to just knock on my other friend's house who lived next door to him. But again, I knocked on the door and no one was in. And I could just hear this weird sound coming from inside. And um, the door was slightly ajar. So I, I kind of went inside and I could hear this like sound coming from <laughs> upstairs. And so I just sort of like thinking, what's going on here? And like, so I... I kind of went inside, went up the stairs, because we were good friends, you know, we were always in each other's houses and stuff, and uh, knocked on the door to the bedroom, and, like, still nothing. And then I went inside, and there was this guy kind of lying on the floor, chanting in Pali. Um, oh, wow. And so then he was like, oh. And then I started speaking to him, and we started speaking about Advaita Vedanta and about meditation and spirituality and... It was just a really interesting meeting. It felt really important because, um, you know, I was looking for this book on spirituality. I didn't find it, but instead I found, um, you know, 
this friend Ryan, who is my very good friend to this day. In fact, he lives next door. I'm using his computer right now. Um, so he's been a good friend of mine since Thailand, and that was eight years ago. And he's really helped me on the uh, meditation journey, you know, on the spiritual path. And um, it's oh, just nice beautiful. to have someone, yeah, so someone who's so close and someone who you can share with on the spiritual path. Because I don't have many friends around me that are like that. Mm, and that mm. is so important. And yeah, wow. which which makes me think of you said that the the friends you met in Thailand were very different from the friendship you had before. Can you clarify that or can you explore that a yeah, little bit? What was the difference? Bit, yeah. Well, I would say that the friends that I had when I was growing up, you know, we were close, but we were kind of just buddies, you know. It was it was growing up together. I went to a boys' school. It was kind of messing around together. Um, and it was kind of drinking together and socializing together and just kind of, um, let's not call them superficial relationships. I have a, a lot of very good friends back back then, you know, but just they didn't they didn't have that spiritual level, you know. They didn't have that deeper connection, like on a soul level, really. Mm. It was more just having fun as you're growing up, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I relate to that very much, and even to this day, you know, I would say a lot of the people that I interact with, you know, we don't uh, really go into spirituality which is fine you know we've got i've got a lot of friends that i know as a mom you know who were our kids are friends for example or or whatever and um or people who i knew before i started meditating who you know it's not their interest and i respect that but when you do connect with somebody you know i just really relish those times when i'm with somebody and things start going deeper and you start exploring um, it, and have more of that heart-to-heart -heart connection. It's just so fulfilling and it, and it feels so good. <laughs> and that's also Definitely. partly why we are here, you know, because mm -hmm. this is not limited to time and space. We There are so many different channels for this in the world, like not only the community where we get to know each other, but I know there are many different um, communities like this online because our souls yearn for a connection like as you say we don't want to just hang out and do superficial stuff mm. we, we we want connection from heart to heart mm. yeah and i think we connect with people on a spiritual level sometimes without even really knowing it but if we have that deeper soul connection we feel more kind of attracted and like we want to communicate with someone and i think a lot of it in thailand was to do with the actual environment you know the actual environment of thailand which was very beautiful green and mm. we spent so much time outdoors mm. and, and so you nature. just i think you felt more connected to the earth you know so yeah. you felt yeah. more connected to yourself which yeah. helped you feel more connected to others right for for how long were you there it sounds like you stayed there for quite a while or Yeah, we were in Thailand for, for one year, actually. Mm -hmm. I had a job there teaching in the south of Thailand in Nakhon Si Um And we spent a lot of time traveling around Thailand as well. And we went to Laos. And, uh, yeah, we, we formed some really, some really um, important friendships there and had a great time. It was one of the best years of my life, for sure. Mm -hmm. And you got to share this with your girlfriend, now wife, as well? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So she's now my wife. It's, uh, it's Natalie. She's yeah. Um, yeah. We've been together for a long time, and um, 
yeah so we, we we lived abroad in all these different countries we've been together the whole time and uh yeah we got married when we were 28 about three or four years ago and had two children as well so mm. that's beautiful yeah so then from thailand did you go to abu dhabi which by the way is the funnest city to say or country country <laughs> no it isn't well, it's in Emirates. Um, the UAE is the country, the United okay. Arab Emirates, and uh, Abu Dhabi is the kind of, well, it's the biggest emirate, actually, um, in terms yes. of space. But yeah, so, okay. yeah, so basically after that, we, after Thailand, yeah, we went straight to Abu Dhabi and we were there for two years. Um, and that was fine. It was just kind of making money and stuff. And then we went back to Brighton in England, where we were for uh, another two years. Oh, my and husband graduated Brighton... from University of Brighton, by the way. Uh, oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. There's another connection there. That's right. Uh, we, we love Brighton, by the way. Uh, it's like an amazing place. We it really is. loved it. But in terms of the finances, it was just a little bit tricky there in Brighton. We had a little bit of a hard time. So... We were there for a couple of years. We got married. We had our first uh, first daughter, Lainey, and then we moved um, we moved back to Abu Dhabi because we were kind of looking for a little bit of an easier life financially. And we've been here. This is our fourth year back now, and we're kind of well ready to to move on to the next place because it feels like we've been here a big chunk of our lives, you know. And um, yeah. and like you know, the difference between here and Abu Dhabi is quite. Uh, sorry, between here and Thailand is quite incredible because we don't spend a lot of time outside. Uh, yeah. There's not a lot of that feeling of connection that we had in Thailand. So that's kind of what we're seeking next. And a lot has happened in these years. Apart from the family growing, you have been growing. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's, that, that's why these years in Abu Dhabi have been really important for me because as Alessandra says, uh, actually just when we got back to Abu Dhabi, that was when I first started connecting with Ananda online and uh, found my guru and um, became a meditation teacher. So there's been a lot of inward kind of transformation, even though the external life has been a little bit challenging. Mm. Um, there's mm. been a lot of that inner transformation. So, um, so yeah. And can you tell us about so, how did it come about with um, Paramhansa Yogananda? So uh, we've talked about Ananda in previous episodes, but in case this is somebody's first time that they're tuning in, Ananda is a, a community. For us, it's a virtual community, so we do a lot online, um, but they also have locations throughout the world. Um, but they have online courses, which is a very accessible pathway for learning the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. But I'm very curious to hear how you um, how you came across Yogananda in the first place. Yeah, it's a slightly slightly different way to most people actually, because the majority of people come through the autobiography of a yogi. They read that very uh, famous and very beautiful book. And they feel a very deep connection. Um, but for me, actually, when I came back to here, Abu Dhabi, a few years ago, I was actually searching online for meditation teacher training. And I was looking through Google. And uh, the, one of the first ones that actually came up was the Expanding Light Retreat, the meditation teacher training that is offered by Ananda. So oh, I looked into that. And I, yeah, it looked really... It looked, really good it looked really interesting to me um so i kind of 
explored it a little deeper. And then instead of doing that, I actually decided to go with a different course, which was lessons in meditation, because I thought best to deepen my own meditation before I become a teacher. And it was a little cheaper as well. <laughs> so I um, went to the lessons in meditation course. And then I went through uh, mostly alongside Alessandra doing the different courses. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we signed, we did the lessons in meditation together. Um, and then... After that, we were alongside each other in the next courses like preparation for Korea, art and science of Raja Yoga, discipleship, um, and the actual Korea uh, yeah, preparation as well. And have you got, I forget, you did do your Korea initiation, right? Yeah, yeah, I did that last July in um, in Ananda Assisi. Oh, so, yeah, right. that was. Uh, yeah. We were one month apart there as well, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> we were so, I know. So so close. <laughs> I know. It's such a shame we're kind of like ships in the night. Yeah, I know. you know, I think I was about to come in July as well, but yeah. And you're well, thinking well, of going. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say at some point for sure we will uh, we will meet in uh, in the flesh. Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> One day. you still have your eye on um, expanding light in California in 2020, right? That's right. Yeah, although they've made some changes there, yeah. which um, kind of complicate things a little bit. And also, we're actually thinking of moving to Costa Rica I read uh, around that. that time. Yeah, so that, that is be- the plan. You know, in terms of finding somewhere with a nice environment you know so um we're going to see about that i think it may be more likely that i'm going to do the online version of the uh teacher training too and then sometime around the end uh next year try to head over to ananda to uh to either do a teacher training course or some sort of kriya to Mm. kind of deepen my meditation practice And so with the move to Costa Rica, will you have more space? Because I know you've been very busy. I've seen your posts in the community that, because you're a teacher, you're a father of two, a husband, and then you teach meditation on the side. You have this website and you're also starting a group, which like, I don't know, sounds a little bit too much for any human being. But (laughs) I know you have a lot of energy Um, to give, but will you have more space for that in Costa Rica or... The thing is about me, I'm not made for employment, really. Uh, I don't do well being employed. So once I'm self-employed, once I'm working for myself, it's going to be so much better because I'm going to be able to um, have a lot more space in the day to do everything I need to do. Because right now it's like I've got this super intense, busy uh, job, which is actually, you know, it's stressful and you have to bring it home with you because I'm dealing with, like, quite difficult kids in the day. Um, and a lot of work that we have to take home. And then, yeah, as you say, on top of that, I've got my meditation group. I've got so many things outside of my job. It's like even without the job, I'd still be busy. But with this job, it's just insane. So, yeah, in Costa Rica, I'm really, I do think that we're going to have saved up a little bit of money as well. So we're going to be able to hopefully not work at that point for a few months and really just try to start um start focusing more attention on the meditation website to really start helping people all right. around the world to help. And that to sounds you know. nice. Mm-hmm. Just living in Costa Rica, enjoying life together. Oh, yeah, you'll get we'll back to that. nature. And, oh. <laughs> we'll come and visit you. Yes, right. <laughs> Please do. Not far from California. So. Mm. Yeah. So um, you've got, pardon me, a website, Two Steps from Bliss. Love the title. Oh, that's right. 
and um, you are you have a blog, and you have um, you have an an online or or is that in progress? You have an online um, teaching. Tell us about what your offerings are with Two Steps with Bliss. Two Steps from Bliss. Sure, yes. Two Steps from Bliss. That's right. Yeah. Uh, At the moment, it is a blog uh, with free materials that people can download, basically. There's like a free meditation starter pack, uh, five-day meditation challenge, and uh, kind of a free resource library with worksheets and stuff. And that's what it is for now. I also offer one-to-one Skype lessons for people who are interested in um, in taking lessons online. And as you mentioned, in progress is uh, my first meditation course, which I'm actually cre- creating this December because I want to have it ready for January. I want to get this uh, next stage because this year, 2019, it was all about growing the email list and um, kind of growing uh, the, uh, the website and increasing my audience you know mm-hmm. and next year is going to be more about trying to actually start providing actual full courses and proper teaching so that's the next step and uh, yeah hopefully it will go smoothly December and you know I'm sure we'll have some technical issues but uh, yeah it's, it's planning I'm planning at least for January that's wonderful mm, and exciting I, yeah very and I do want to just mention I love your newsletter I get your newsletter and um, so when you go on your website you can provide your email and then get this newsletter which is always very thought-provoking it's always like a great way um, because of the time change often I get them in the morning so it's one of the first things mm. I see that day and um, it always kind of gets even though, you know, I do meditate every day, but it just always brings like a different angle to things and gives me something to sort of chew on with regards to my practice. So I definitely encourage people to go and look at the website and sign up for those newsletters. And And I have to admit, I am not like a big fan of marketing emails. So that's coming from somebody who typically <laughs> just deletes these things, but I really enjoy them. So so bravo. Yeah, I think it's because also your newsletters are very sincere. You share openly about your own stories. And I remember one blog post uh, you did on why it's important to have a meditation coach or meditation teacher, which I feel I meet a lot. Like people think like, why it's so easy. You just sit down, do this practice. Why would you need someone else coaching you? Well, like Cara just said, I too appreciate your newsletter very much because we need this, you know, constant reminder or like we're coaching each other. Like it's like we're a football team, but we're a meditation team <laughs> and we need to help yeah. each other because life is going to pull us, you know, with kids or work. And some days you're just going to feel drained and like, oh, I'm just going to skip this. And then you get this newsletter or you see a post from someone online and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, and you get that little energy boost or you feel like even though we're not physically there petting each other on the shoulder or giving a hand, we do help each other to give each other energy mm, to keep on going. Yeah, right. We, we just like we need those reminders, constant reminders, don't we? Because there's so many different aspects of it. There's so many different elements to it that you, you're bound to be kind of neglecting some element of your practice at some point. So as you say, it's just really... Uh, it's really good to have a kind of constant flow of information coming to you. And um, in terms of the newsletter, yeah, it's like I, I kind of have a 
uh, I just enjoy writing. You know, I think that's part of it. I, I go on Quora and I answer questions there. I enjoy the process of writing. I, it's something that I, I've always enjoyed. So, and as Alessandra said, I try to kind of speak from my heart. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of emails can sound very kind of salesy and they can sound a bit stiff and they can sound a bit dry. And I just kind of want to speak the truth and I want to make it sound like I'm, you know, speaking from my heart and not, you know, giving loads of BS. I just want to uh, help people, you know, in a genuine way, not, not in a kind of salesy or annoying way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which you definitely, that, that is very apparent. So, um, now if we, one thing that I know we've talked about, um, it, bet- amongst us um, on the community that I would love to dig into here is um, alcohol. <laughs> so um, I know that you've had your own um, journey with releasing some things tied with alcohol that I'd love to explore. And, and I'm happy to share as well because on um, when you're dealing with, when you're trying to deepen meditation and you've embraced this um, practice and you want to go deeper with it, um, there comes a point where you have to sort of think about um, what you're doing outside of meditation that can help or hinder your progress in meditation. And alcohol is one of those places where it, it just impacts your energy and um, and meditation is a very energetic practice. You are um, you are directly um, impacting your own energy, and that um, that's something that you're dealing with in meditation. But also, it has, of course, a direct effect on your life outside of meditation. Um, and I know that that's kind of where I came from in my own um, decision to let go of alcohol use in my life, um, which we can come back to because I, I really want to hear from you. But do you want to talk to us a little bit about your journey and um, just whatever's yeah. relevant? Please open. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, as you say, I mean, meditation, uh, sorry, alcohol, it destroys your kind of energy levels, really. It destroys also your willpower, Um I think alcohol, um, you know, it does so many things that are profoundly negative to one's life in general. And when you start meditating, you can't hide from that truth anymore. You know, especially as your meditation practice gets deeper and deeper, you find that the you, your, your, your awareness levels increase. You become more sensitive and you become more aware of how certain things make you feel, you know, like maybe even coffee and alcohol and uh, eating red meat, stuff like that. You become more sensitive to these things. And so for me, I I drank a lot, as I already mentioned, throughout my youth, and it kind of got worse throughout my 20s um, and just to the point where it was just becoming a real problem in my life. You know, there's so many days where um, I just had that feeling of just like, I know more of this, you know, just really regretting it and just feeling like this isn't, this isn't right. You, you shouldn't feel this way. You know, this isn't how someone should feel just that horrible feeling inside. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the meditation, as I say, it kind of, it deepens your awareness of how you feel. And so over time I, I just had to 
kind of start to make efforts to stop doing this thing, right, uh, that was causing me so much suffering. And I tried so many times, you know, you, you could try to control it. You try to, okay, I'm just going to drink beer or I'm just going to, I'm going to have a drink of water in between each of my alcoholic drinks or all these other ways of trying to control it. And ultimately it's just, it, it always ends in the same place unless you are very lucky, which most people aren't, then you find that, that you can control it for a bit, but then what happens is it comes back and you you end up in that same place. So it gets to a point where you realize the only option here is to, is to pack it, is to pack it in fully and to, um, and to not look back. And so once I'd made that decision, it became easier because I think most people are in two minds. They're like, okay, maybe I'll quit, but I don't really want to quit. But I was just 100% certain I wanted to quit. So I was trying for a couple of years and um, the meditation helped, but I was still drinking and everyone around me is drinking. So it's kind of hard. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, then it was, it was actually Ananda on the virtual community. I was mentioning about it and someone said, look, why don't you just why don't you just go to a, an AA meeting? You know, you don't need to be uh, hit. You don't need to have hit rock bottom in order to to do that. So uh, that was hard for me because it was kind of like really admitting that this is a problem in my life. And um, you know, I had to kind of say to my wife, "Look, I'm going to go to an AA meeting." And she was, I think, she was probably a little surprised and stuff. Um, but it was one of the best things I ever did. And it's like the way that I thought it would be is so different from the reality of how it was. You know, you, you expect it to be very bleak, like it is in the movies and um, <laughs> full, full of kind of like hobos and low life. But it's nothing like that. You know, It's very, very positive. It's deeply spiritual. And you can feel that energy as soon as you're in there. They, they, the people there just genuinely care. They genuinely want to help you. You know, and it's it, it that was about six months ago that I walked through the door, and that was the last time I, I drank, which was six months ago. Um, wow. And since Good then, job. since then, it's become a lot easier. I have the support. I understand a lot more about the uh, you know the facts of drinking and the way that it works, the physiology, and and so on. Um, and so it feels like the kind of meditation guide guided me towards gave me the awareness to realize it was a problem um the connection with ananda the spiritual connection pointed me in that direction of, of aa and then as soon as i got there i just really connected with it and i enjoy going to the meetings i enjoy seeing the people there and, and talking with them and um it's just been it's been really helpful for me and like i said i don't ever want to drink again you know that stuff i think is um it causes so many problems and uh yeah so i'm just so happy and so grateful to be sober and to you know and not have to worry about drinking you know mm, that's great and it's such a brave decision and also to seek help because i think this is also what we need to shift and what we see is shifting you know the view on what alcohol addiction or problem really means it doesn't mean you have to sit on a bench being homeless you know As long as you have that anxiety or, I mean, if it makes you feel bad, why would you do that to yourself? I was very much like you when I was younger, you know, I was out partying a lot and I just kept on feeling this growing hole in my chest, like this is not good for me. But when you're in an environment where that is, you know, the normal thing, it's very hard to shift it. And... Mm. 
for me, it was kind of, uh, well, I mean, I kind of started to be less attracted to partying and everything. But for me, the ticket out was really the, the pregnancy because, um, of course, I couldn't drink during pregnancy. And after that, I wasn't really interested anymore. And I also had started my meditation practice. So, and as you said, the meditation practice can also help us um, be less attracted to those things. You know, it's mm. we don't even have to force ourselves so much. It was just like, I don't even want this anymore. Mm. And, you know, because you, you just feel like this is not good for my body. And mm. you increase that awareness and you, you just feel like, no. Mm. I, yeah, and... It, and I agree with um, your sentiment, as, especially with the, the bravery of it, because I think with me, I gave up drinking um, last year and uh, last summer. And for me, the drinking itself, what like giving that part up was not the challenging thing. It was kind of like, for me, from a body perspective, um, you know, I, I, I did, I was ready to let it go. It was more from the expectation perspective. So I had been, you know, for 20 years or, you know, more than 25 years, whatever, 20, I don't know how old I am, but um, (laughs) nine years for nine years. But, you know, I had spent my whole adult life, you know, enjoying a glass of wine with friends. Like so much of the social interaction revolved around having a drink and like everybody agreeing that that's what was needed. You know, we need to just have a glass of wine and, you know, let go of the week or whatever it was. And even if it was just my husband and I, it was like, oh, it's it's Thursday night. Let's have a glass of wine or a couple of glasses of wine or whatever. And to let go of that habit, one of it, it one of the things is the habit, which is very um, powerful, but also just going out with friends and not drinking. And then that feeling like that's going to be awkward, you know, that's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to, it's going to be an expectation that I drink. And so what, how is this person going to change the perception and the interaction? Like, how does this dynamically change the experience while we're out? So am I going to create distance because this person feels like they're going to, they want to have that camaraderie of like, let's together wash the week away with some alcohol, you know, and, and there's that like, we're on the same page, we get each other type of thing, and let's go through the motions together. Um, but also, like, does that then make them feel uncomfortable, like there's, um, like, I don't relate to them anymore, or that I'm better than them, or, you know, that was, like, a, a difficult thing for me of, like, feeling mm-hmm. like I'm creating a distance between people because we have this pattern and they think they know what to expect from me and then I'm breaking this pattern and then what does that how does that impact how they feel about our relationship and about themselves and about me 
And um, so that was something that I had to face head on. And that, you know, did take courage. Like that was probably the the hardest, uh, the biggest hurdle for me mm-hmm. was kind of that perception of other people and that expectation. Um, my experience with that was it kind of, it wasn't a, a big deal. Like, it, you know, people were fine. They wanted to hang out with me rather than have a drink with me. <laughs> it was more important <laughs> that we just, you know, get together. And I think people have been curious about it. So it opens up a conversation and it kind of makes them reflect. Um, I have a lot of people say to me, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish, you know, which I think mm-hmm. is the beginning of starting to think about, like, if they should, if they, if it's something that they should think about, if it would, is something that would open up um, some pathways within them. And I have had um, cases where people have tried it and... You know, my cousin, for example, um, has some extensive tests coming up for some certification. And she was like, I decided I'm going to not drink while I prepare for this. And then she um, started doing that. And she was like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to start drinking again. I feel so good. You know, and and she hadn't given herself that space to try it, to see like, oh, how does it feel to not have Mm. that constant you know, because the thing is with mm. alcohol, you of course feel the impact when you're not drinking, but if you're continually drinking like one day after another, or even if you're only taking like a couple or three days of breaks, you're never really getting your energy back to its baseline potential. You're dulling it. And then even if you're not feeling consciously the effects, it's still affecting your energy, your consciousness, your subconsciousness. And it takes a while for that to, even if you don't feel hungover, for example, or drunk or whatever it is, you're still having that uh, blur of energy. And when you sharpen that, you start to feel better physically and emotionally and, and, um, so that, you know, it's just, it's fun. I encourage people to try it. Get, you know, even you don't have to commit to saying like, I'm going to give it up forever. Um, but even if you just try it for like a month or two weeks or whatever feels like you can get your arms around it and see how you feel and, you know, work through some of those, some of those barriers, like what I had psychologically that ended up being no big deal, you know? Yeah. I had a, a- a very wise teacher of ours, Devalila, she once wrote to me because I was asking her about all these changes I was making in my life, you know, with diet and how you live. And and I felt uncomfortable with it because I, as you said, I was expecting people to judge me. So it was just my in my head. It was my own fears. And she said, you know, usually when we can become more comfortable with what we, how we choose to live our lives, the people we spend time with are comfortable as well. Because otherwise we are reflecting that like, oh, it's so weird that I'm not drinking. Oh, it's so weird that I'm a vegetarian or vegan now. Or yeah, then people feel this tension because I think it's weird. But if I'm just like, I'm going to eat vegetables. If you want to eat meat, you eat meat. I'm not going to drink. If you want to have a glass of wine, you have a glass of wine. As you said, we can spend time together anyway. Mm. Yeah. And respecting each other's choices. Right. Yeah, right. And uh, I just wanted to say that, Cara, I had um, 
very similar situation as you like that that for me was also my biggest hurdle to be honest like I, I was here in Abu Dhabi and I was able to not drink um because like we don't do a lot of socializing here it's kind of family life and working and it's just kind of like not too much socializing but for me the biggest and hardest uh, hurdle in this whole journey was going back to England over the summer and hanging out with my friends mm. who I have been drinking with for like 18 years and it's like you formed this kind of agreement a foundation of your relationship right it's like this is what we do together mm. and we've been doing it together for a long time so it's like you're kind of breaking that and it, and it is scary and it's quite and it, it is a big change at the end of the day you know and people do feel it and it depends who's, some people react well some people not so well and um i think most of the people who are your true friends are not going to be that bothered about it and i think that we think that people are maybe more affected by the decision than is really the truth because i think we still have our own attachment to the kind of drinking as you say the habit of doing it you know just a habit of having a drink you know it's just mm -hmm. something that's so deeply ingrained in me and so this summer when I went home it was yeah it was like the greatest challenge but luckily I got through it without drinking and something that really helped me was I was drinking non-alcoholic beer just so I could like have the bottle and like cheers with people and feel like I was yeah. kind of involved in the in the party kind of but Actually, I was not drinking, and I did feel a little bit more disconnected. But I think over time that will, you know, that will reduce, and I'll, I'll begin to feel more able to kind of connect with people. You know, mm. um, yeah, that's a great point. And I, I have found too kombucha, if <laughs> which is like a, a I love yeah. the taste of kombucha, and you can't find it everywhere right now, at least here, but there are some places when we go out, they have kombucha, which, and it's very good for your gut health, and it's sparkly, and it's, you know, tastes good, <laughs> and, and it kind of has a cocktail-y taste to it, and it's something that just kind of feels a little bit different, and, uh, you know, it, but... Like I say, often, more often than not, they don't have it, but I always ask if I'm, if I'm with people who are drinking, do you have kombucha? And if they don't, I just have water, but, and it's fine. But it is kind of fun to just find something or mocktails. If you go to a place that has mm -hmm. a nice bar, they might make what's called a mocktail. And I have had some really good mocktails at some nice bars, so... That's mm. another kind of workaround. You're still kind of in that celebratory spirit, um, but, you know, without where you still get to keep your, your, your streak going. <laughs> and yeah, right. And Yogananda, he would also say that, you know, when it comes to habits, it's like when you're cleaning up a garden, if you take out the weeds or like, which is in this case, habits we don't want to keep in our life. You can't just take out the weed. You need to plant something else there. It's very hard to, you know, switching to become mm. vegetarian. You need to find substitutes or, as you said, find something to because it's going to be a little bit too tough to make the transition of stopping drinking if you're just going to sit there not drinking, perhaps even sitting there to drink water. You know, give yourself, uh, be kind to yourself in the transition time. And Yeah, and I think having something to do is really important. I think for me... The, uh, the online business because it takes up so much of my time it's kind of like a substitute it's almost like a, an addiction in itself you know but it's something that I can focus a lot of my time and energy on without you know without drinking and I just wanted to go back to something that Cara said as well which is that like 
you when you're drinking you have kind of you don't have you don't get a break from that disconnection you know if you're because that's what I was doing I was drinking you know Friday Saturday Sunday sometimes it would extend to like Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday Monday so then you know that's drinking for like half the week and then the rest of the week you feel kind of hungover and like not right until the next weekend when you start drinking again so it's this constant cycle of just being out of sorts being low energy and that's such a powerful thing you know that that's so, such a powerfully negative thing in your life and for me it was like it grew in terms of first of all I quit for a week and then a few years ago I started quitting for like a, a month but I only usually made it about three weeks and then more recently it's grown to like three months at a time three months and then gone back to it and this time it's the longest that I've ever gone without drinking and it just feels like it's just it's done now it's over you know so it does sometimes go like that that you start by quitting for a short period of time and you can increase that period of time that you quit. Um, oh, that's a great yeah. point too, because mm. I think too, you know, you want to keep things manageable, especially if you don't feel like you have necessarily an addiction, you know, where you, like you said, you, you didn't feel like you'd hit rock bottom, you know, it wasn't mm. like, or maybe your rock bottom was just really high compared to some of the stories that you hear when people hit rock bottom. But, um, you know, if you, if you just kind of are feeling like you want this change or that you feel like it's, it's not working in your favor, but it feels too much to be like, from now on, here's my stake in the ground. And from this point forward, mm. I am never going to drink again. You know, that might feel like a lot, um, but like you say, if you just put the goalpost and say, like, let me try two weeks, and then at the end of this two weeks, I will have a beer or whatever, and then you kind of keep exploring with that, but without that pressure of, like, okay, it's if I don't do it, if I have another drink in my life, I've failed. You know, that can be quite hard, and then you've got that um, negativity and that guilt that comes that goes along with it that can you know not make things easier yeah and that leads to more drinking that sense of negativity and guilt you know mark twain said um you can't uh, throw your habits out the window you have to lead them down the stairs one step at a time oh, I so love that. that's something you know just to kind of yeah take it easy on yourself don't give yourself loads of grief just do your best and um make those smaller goals and eventually try to give it up for good, you know. Yeah. And would you have anything you would like to share with our listeners? Like if someone is listening in now and like, well, you know, I feel like, you know, maybe this is something I want to try out because you've done the journey and also through the meetings, is there something you learned that you could share with someone who feel like yeah. they want to start that yeah. transition? Yeah, I'd love to. I, I would say that going to... If, you know, you don't need to have a really serious drinking problem in order to go to a meeting, to go to an AA meeting. And you don't need to have a really serious drinking problem for it to affect your life in powerfully negative ways. And they have open meetings, right? So you could go in there as just a, as someone watching, totally not involved in it. Just go to a meeting and just see what it's like in there because I was blown away by how different it was from, from what I thought it would be. So to just go into one of those meetings and just check it out, because 
there are people there who have been sober for decades, you know, and people who are there and they want to help you. And the thing about alcohol is if you've got a, a problem with it, it is really, really, really hard, if not impossible, to give it up on your own. You know, you need the support. Uh, um, and please reach out to me if, you, if you're interested or if you want any support with that because I'm more than happy to help. Um, you know, if there is something that's going on in your life, alcohol is, is torture because it creates this really painful cycle of wanting to have it over with, but just keep it, you keep getting sucked back in. Um, so it creates real, real deep suffering. And the, there is a solution. You know, there are certain things that don't have a cure, right? And alcoholism, although it doesn't have a cure, let's say, but you can, for the rest of your life, stay away from alcohol with the support. Meditate, help that to deepen your awareness so that you realize, you know, what it's doing to you and then seek help. And that would be what I would say, you know, in terms of if anyone feels that they have um, an issue or if alcohol is creating any problems in their life. Thank you. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you, Nick. Um, and, well, I think, I think that that's a great place to wrap things up because I don't know that we can go yeah. much deeper than that. So thank you for opening up and for, you know, this has just been a, a wonderful um, opportunity for us to kind of explore this topic too, because it, it is very important. And I think that sometimes, you know, I've happened upon conversations like these on in podcasts where, you know, I hadn't necessarily even reflected myself on my own use and that inner reflection is so important for personal growth and sometimes this is a blind spot for people if they don't feel like they have a problem so it can be really helpful to just give that pathway to people to say you know why don't you just step back and think about is it serving you you know and, and explore it and no pressure but you know just think about it and mm -hmm. um so thank you for that yeah thank you very much nick it was a joy to have you here it and was. to Thank listen you so to your much journey. For me. Yeah, it's been amazing and it's been great to finally connect with you guys. And yes. I look forward to seeing you sometime in the not too distant future. Absolutely. Yes. And everybody, um, be sure to check out Two Steps from Bliss. You're, you also have a presence on Facebook with the Two Steps from Bliss page. Um, and we will, of course, include links to things um, with the episode notes. So, awesome. thank great. you so much. Thank you, Nick. Have a wonderful evening. So much, it's guys. it's evening for you now. It's <laughs> right? uh, seven o'clock, and uh, the children are about to go to bed. And it's wonderful. afternoon here, and Kara, it's lunchtime for you. Yes. Yep. We're spanning the globe again. <laughs> Indeed. Well, have an awesome day, and uh, I look forward to chatting with you soon. Thank okay. you very much. Bye-bye. Oh, such joy to connect with Nick. What a beautiful soul. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed learning from Nick and feel inspired by um, his journey. And um, please share this episode with somebody who you think it would resonate with. You can also subscribe and um, download, rate us, 
all these ways to help us grow and expand are so appreciated. So thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to the next meditation conversation.